This is my friend, Amy. <laughs> Would you like to introduce yourself a bit? We're both becoming therapists. I've talked about and we were reading the Bible together most days when the pandemic started and we got through. Oh, I can't even remember. Where did we start? We went from Hebrews to Revelations and then we, I think we did it a little bit in Matthew and Acts, I think. Uh, yeah, if I remember. I guess I should also mention that I know Holly from an anti-trafficking organization in Southeast Michigan, and we both kind of moved away from that area. Well, I moved away for sure, uh, and you did too. And then right, we, I moved away. Yeah, and then I happened to be moving to Chicago a little over a year ago, and Holly was here, and we reunited. Okay, so Ecclesiastes ten. As dead flies cause even a bottle of perfume to stink, so a little foolishness spoils great wisdom and honor. A wise person chooses the right road. A fool takes the wrong one. You can identify fools just by the way they walk down the street. If your boss is angry at you, don't quit. A quiet spirit can overcome even great mistakes. There is another evil I have seen under the sun. Kings and rulers make a grave mistake when they give great authority to foolish people and low positions to people of proven worth. I have even seen servants riding horseback like princes and princes walking like servants. When you dig a well, you might fall in. When you demolish an old wall, you could be bitten by a snake. When you work in a quarry, stones might fall and crush you. When you chop wood, there is danger with each stroke of your axe. Using a dull axe requires great strength. So sharpen the blade. That's the value of wisdom. It helps you succeed. If a snake bites before you charm it, what's the use of being a snake charmer? Wise words bring approval, but fools are destroyed by their own words. Fools base their thoughts on foolish assumptions, so their conclusions will be wicked madness. They chatter on and on. No one really knows what is going to happen. No one can predict the future. Fools are so exhausted by a little work that they can't even find their way home. Was sorrow for the land ruled by a servant, the land whose leaders feast in the morning? Happy is the land whose king is a noble leader and whose leaders feast at the proper time to gain strength for their work, not to get drunk. Laziness leads to a sagging roof. Idleness leads to a leaky house. A party gives laughter. Wine gives happiness and money gives everything. Never make light of the king even in your thoughts and don't make fun of the powerful even in your own bedroom for a little bird might deliver you a message and tell them what you said send your grain across the seas and in time profits will flow back to you but divide your investments among many places for you do not know what risks might lie ahead when clouds are heavy the rains come down whether a tree falls north or south it stays where it falls farmers who wait for perfect weather never plant if they watch every cloud, they never harvest. Just as you cannot understand the path of the wind or the mystery of a tiny baby growing in its mother's womb, so you cannot understand the activity of God who does all things. Plant your seed in the morning and keep busy all afternoon, for you don't know if profit will come from one activity or another, or maybe both. Light is sweet. How pleasant to see a new day dawning. When people live to be very old, let them rejoice in every day of life. But let them also remember there will be many dark days. Everything still to come is meaningless.
Young people, it's wonderful to be young. Enjoy every minute of it. Do everything you want to do. Take it all in. But remember that you must give an account to God for everything you do. So refuse to worry and keep your body healthy. But remember that youth, with a whole life before you, is meaningless. Hmm. Don't let the excitement of your youth cause you to forget your creator. Honor him in your youth before you grow old and say life is not pleasant anymore. Remember him before the light of the sun, moon, and stars is dim to your old eyes and rain clouds continually darken your sky. Remember him before your legs, the guards of your house start to tremble, and before your shoulders, the strong men stoop. Remember him before your teeth, your few remaining servants stop grinding, and before your eyes, the women looking through the window see dimly. Remember him before the door to life's opportunities is closed and the sound of work fades. Now you rise at the first chirping of the birds, but then all their sounds will grow faint. Remember him before you become fearful of falling and worry about danger in the streets, before your hair turns white like an almond tree in bloom, and you drag along without energy like a dying grasshopper, and the capperberry no longer inspires sexual desire. Remember him before you near the grave, everlasting home, when the mourners will weep at your funeral. Yes, remember your creator now while you are young before the silver cord of life snaps and the golden bowl is broken. Don't wait until the water jar is smashed at the spring and the pulley is broken at the well. For then the dust will return to the earth and the spirit will return to God who gave it. Everything is meaningless, says the teacher. Completely meaningless. Keep this in mind. The teacher was considered wise and he taught the people everything he knew. He listened carefully to many proverbs, studying and classifying them. The teacher sought to find the right words to express truths clearly. The words of the wise are like cattle prods, painful but helpful. Their collected sayings are like a nail-studded stick with which a shepherd drives the sheep. But my child, let me give you some further advice. Be careful for writing books is endless, and much study wears you out. That's the whole story. Here now is my final conclusion. Fear God and obey his commands, for this is everyone's duty. God will judge us for everything we do, including every secret thing, whether good or bad. Have thoughts? Mm. Yeah, I mean, I never really have read Ecclesiastes. I mean, maybe a little bit a long time ago, but um, this talked about like wisdom versus folly and kind of gave like examples of that in kind of like a riddle sort of way, or it kind of reminds me of Proverbs. I liked um, in chapter 12 kind of this idea of like remembering god and remembering our creator at every point in our life through different experiences in our life i thought that was really cool as well and i imagine when this was written to life expectancy was so much earlier you know so oh duh yeah of course it kind of went like our the youth and i feel like people grew up faster too so it's like to have one's youth was just a really short period of time oh entirely yeah yeah because you would like get married much earlier, start your family much earlier. Yeah. What were your thoughts? Yeah, I really enjoy the like little proverb like lines, especially verse 19 says, a party gives laughter, wine gives happiness and money gives everything. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I was thinking about, I think in the past when I read Ecclesiastes, it was hard for me to read verses like that because it didn't really reflect like my lifestyle much at all 
Mm. But so I had sent you earlier today a somatic experiencing video. Yeah. And I had this idea of um, once you've resolved a trauma, you're able to experience pleasure and it's not just about pain and survival. And so I was like thinking about how some of these verses land now. And I think I receive them a lot better, like enjoying my youth. I think I receive that a lot better understanding play and pleasure um, now that I've like experienced some healing in my life. So I know that life isn't just like survival or I guess like there's other verses that speak to like the hard work. I, I really like chapter 11 verse two says, but divide your investments among many places for you don't know what risks might lie ahead. Oh yeah, And it can be contradicting. It seems like at first, like Solomon's being contradicting. It like really actually encompasses lots of different experiences in life. And it's a matter of understanding when maybe a certain line would apply to life and when it wouldn't like, Obviously, money giving everything is not, like, applicable at all times. <laughs> yeah, definitely. These chapters don't seem to be necessarily, like, necessarily telling people what to do. Just kind of, it's almost like a warning. Like, in chapter 10, verse 11, it says, if a snake bites before you charm it, what's the use of being a snake charmer? It's almost like a warning or, like, just a, like, hey, be wise before you do this thing because it could master you instead of you mastering it you know oh nice I was wondering what that verse meant but the idea of mastering makes sense so I like I appreciate verses like 11 because it's like it's kind of just like it could be applied in different ways in people's lives maybe it can mean different things but it's kind of just like yeah it's not necessarily saying like don't do this thing it's just kind of giving like this warning to be mindful of those things that reminds me of you saying it's like proverbs because proverbs are really useful when you know when to apply them. And so it's not like just a do or don't. It's a warning for whatever circumstance it would be applicable to. Yeah. What is it like, I guess, reading scripture? Because I know you had some hesitation with like where you're at in your deconstruction. Oh, yeah. So I guess my deconstruction journey started a year or two ago, or no. Yeah, probably two years ago. And it definitely kind of has hit a new place uh, in 2020. And part of it, it's like, I really want to believe in God and I want to believe in Jesus and everything. But I have so many, I guess I just have a lot of issues with the Bible at times. Certain verses I just don't really believe in or agree with. So I think sometimes it it's hard to read it. And I and I know there's like, you know, different contexts and, you know, researching what certain things mean, but it's just yeah, I think um it's just hard and it's also really patriarchal. I've really have been I've been viewing God as not really part of gender anymore. And so I think going back and reading the Bible can be a little hard because I don't I don't really see it that way, but at the same time I understand why. I mean, it's patriarchal society. It's just got to get used to that. I do get kind of nervous of like, oh, no, does this mean I'm like agnostic? Because some days I really feel it. But at the end of the day, I I do like it's my desire and my want to believe. I just believe uh, many different things than I did two years ago, I guess. And I yeah. So where are you in all of that in deconstruction or 
I feel like I haven't talked to you about that with you in a while. Yeah, I have been questioning how important the cultural aspect is for me. I mean, I have been for many months, but especially being in closer proximity to like fundamentalist circles. Like the other day, it was online, of course, but the other day I was attending the memorial service of someone my family knew through church, um, you know, so like fundamentalist um, evangelicalism. And it wasn't anything unexpected because I had gone to two memorial services like in the Chinese church just, oh, I think maybe just like two years ago or something. Mm. But all the like, I guess, gestures or like words of comfort like hit differently. And I was thinking about like, okay, why does this comfort people? And like what in their view makes it so that it comforts them? Mm. Um, And then I've also been thinking like moving back home, being in a state that everyone was afraid would go to Trump, thankfully did not. But Mm. I've just been thinking about like the connection between evangelicalism and politics too. Mm. A lot. So my beliefs feel like they're the same, but maybe my question for God is like, how is this supposed to work in this world? Like how does so much harm come from Mm. certain beliefs or like, like it's easy to be in a metropolitan area and be like, oh, like here's a church trying to, you know, live out racial conciliation or here's a church trying to be you know involved in the things that god cares about like the orphan widow foreigner does it it's very easy in a metropolitan area but when you move back to somewhere where churches like that don't exist and it would be sort of weird to (sighs) i mean it's just like speaking a different language like it's just not going to make sense to people here yeah so So almost like what's the value of my faith if life transformation is so dependent on so many things aligning, like, I guess, access to like other thought and like the space for people to deconstruct, the space for people to reconstruct. So it's not like I believe it to be any less true. Like, like I'm very excited to observe advent because i didn't grow up with the church calendar um Mm. so i like the anticipation i like the waiting ironically even though i haven't been going to sunday service (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know i haven't been going to service and seeing the different candles being lit every sunday but i i I guess what was always persuasive about the gospel was that it makes a difference in people's lives Mm. and if the difference it makes is so limited by whether you grow up in an area where you have access to progressive thought, where you can fully deconstruct and still hold your faith versus, you know, maybe places that are more culturally Christian. Like, I don't know. I mean, I'm still processing it, but like when you were talking about the anti-trafficking organization that we both used to be in, I just think of how like Back then, like, I knew some people were more conservative, but I felt like we were on the same page of how we wanted to help the women on the street. And 
-hmm. Like I, I think like I wouldn't be able to go back now because, you know, it's clear that some of those people see our roles as like, if we're going to be ambassadors of Christ, like some people see our roles very differently and it just, it doesn't make sense. Like cognitive dissonance is like too much. Like it's just confusing to me. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, yeah, I hear that. I feel like what you were saying about kind of how politics have intersected with uh, evangelicalism and just even evangelicalism in general, just the fact that even if maybe they didn't vote a certain way, even if they didn't go red this, uh, this election cycle, which the majority did, but even if they didn't, I feel like so many were so complicit. Um, yeah. Mm. Especially from leadership. And I think that kind of honestly is just as problematic, you know, if not more. So it's hard because I, I really feel like there is a lot of good that can come out of that. But uh, there are just so many issues as well. And and just just having like, even for me as a white person going out, like, I didn't really have like, multicultural training at all, or a knowledge of I maybe had a small knowledge, small bit, a little bit of knowledge on white privilege. But I just feel like the leadership is really closed off to that kind of being aware of their race and privilege and everything. And that's really problematic when you're going to Detroit trying to help people. So, yeah. When I think about when I started uh, going to a more evangelical church and volunteering at that organization, it was all in 2015. I had not even voted in my first election, presidential election yet. So it just, yeah, like politics just weren't that salient for me. I mean, so it's just really interesting to think about that, like just how how much things really shifted in 2016. Yeah. 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 Well, it has been lovely having you on the original inspiration for having even started this. I am so happy I got to come on. Thank you so much, Holly. Yeah. Okay. Talk later. Okay. Yep. Talk later. Mm -hmm.